Yeah, and I think when what you just described there, Max, is if you have to alter your program and, and get away from what your coach is programming, that doesn't mean you're taking a step back. Welcome to Training Room Talk, powered by Precision Performance Physical Therapy. Here we will discuss all things related to physical preparation, including rehab, performance, and education. Hey guys, welcome back to Training Room Talk powered by Precision Performance Physical Therapy. My name is Dr. Max LePage. I'm here with Dr. Troy Cuck. What's up, guys? Dr. Nisha Meyer. Hi, guys. And Dr. John Herding. Hey, how are you? And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the kind of modifications that one might need to make to continue to train or following returning to the gym after taking some time away from training due to injury, specifically in the movement pattern of kind of an upper body push. So that would be characterized as anything from a bench press, a push up, an overhead press, um, things of that nature. And we're gonna, this is gonna be the third installment of the return from rehab series. Um, so that's kind of the direction we're gonna run with this. Um, as with the other episodes, we're going to establish a little bit of what may be some common aches and pains that you're feeling that would lead you to be in a situation where you might have to modify these movements to reintroduce them. Um, in general, and you guys feel free to contribute, if we were to pick the number one thing where someone comes in and they're having difficulty with training the upper body push movement on my end i would say in our setting is probably like an upper like a rotator cuff tendinopathy or impingement so to speak are there any other issues that you guys would think like these are like top and common problems that we see with those movements to go along with your impingement like a biceps tendinopathy as well okay probably yep so yeah upper like shoulder region Mm. tendinopathies tend to be the one um, you could, uh, I guess, theoretically have like an elbow, lateral elbow tendinopathy or a tennis elbow that would interfere with an upper body push movement. There's obviously a ton of other conditions that could contribute to you um, not being able to sufficiently perform these movements or at least require some modification or some guidance on how to do that. Um, we're going to be talking very generally about shoulder pain um, and how we would modify and maybe we even delve into elbow or thoracic spine pain and how that might contribute to this. Uh, But we'll keep it very general. Obviously, we can't speak on any specific injury or any specific individual in the context of a podcast where we're missing a lot of information. So the disclaimer there is that if you have any um, specific medical problems that need further attention to seek that out and come um, see us and we can help guide you a little bit more personally and individually. Um, But I'll open the floor. Whoever wants to kick off their initial thoughts when they think, okay, someone comes in with difficulties with pressing movements. What are they likely to be complaining about in terms of pain? And then what tends to be some stuff that you either look at or is your entry point into like, okay, let's, let, let me take a look at if you can do this basic movement first type of thing. So um, the things I commonly hear is, you know, pain in the front of the shoulder when they're pressing overhead. And that's kind of going after that impingement that you were talking about. I feel like that's very common. Um, when I hear that, some of the like key things I like to look at is shoulder flexion range of motion, uh, shoulder internal range of motion, internal rotation, and then I like to look at their kind of scapular rhythm and see if they're able to get true upward rotation of the scapula um, before we even get into anything else. 
Um, many times when that is the case, I find that they are limited in shoulder flexion and shoulder internal rotation, and maybe they're not getting um, true scapular upward rotation, which is also needed to press overhead. Um, so there are a lot of different ways out there to improve shoulder flexion, shoulder internal rotation. But for us, we kind of look at more proximal, posi proximal positioning and where the air is going in the rib cage. And sometimes if we can kind of get some expansion and improve rib cage positioning, we can clear up a lot of that shoulder flexion, shoulder internal rotation. And a lot of times when we get that, we can clear up that movement kind of right away once they're able to get those motions. Yeah, to go along with what you said there, um, Troy, I, I, I see exactly those same things. Like a lot of people, especially pain with overhead pressing, it's a lack of shoulder internal rotation range of motion and shoulder flexion range of motion. Um, but to go along with where you're, you're thinking about proximal position, they also need ribs one and two to be able to, to move, to contribute to those motions. Um, basically, we need to set the foundation and on working on rib mobility, T-spine mobility, so that the shoulder blade and the scapulohumeral rhythm can um, move efficiently to get the shoulder overhead. And I think um, so many times in performance and rehab, we're working on scapular retraction and depression, bringing your shoulder blades back and down. Um, and very often that um, key component of upper rotation gets missed in a lot of training and rehab protocols. Um, there are de there's definitely a time and place for um, scap retraction and depression, shoulder blades back and down, because you need the shoulder blade to go through a full excursion of range of motion from back and down to up and around. Um, but I think most frequently the thing that we're addressing in um, athletes that have pain pressing, whether even if it's if it's overhead or like a bench press type movement, it's all it's a lot of times it's driving scap upward rotation and protraction coming around your rib cage to allow the shoulder, um, the, the glenohumeral joint or the humerus, the arm bone to come up overhead. So you're generally when someone comes in, you're wanting to establish a baseline of how their shoulder actually moves. Is it asymmetrical from one side to the other? What's contributing to maybe a lack of shoulder range of motion? Could it be more proximal joints like the scapulothoracic joint? Could it be some thoracic spine mobility or some of the rib cage mobility like you're alluding to? Um, and you're just seeing like, hey, what are some of the contributing factors to if you do have limitations from side to side that might be contributing to you maybe shifting stress more towards certain tissues that you know are exceeding what their current load capacity is and is just a generally inefficient way to move that may be putting you at risk of overloading um, certain structures and then say you kind of get through that and you've cleared up a little bit of the, those movement you know those issues in terms of their pattern and they're moving fairly symmetrically still having some discomfort with their barbell bench press for example or their barbell overhead press what would be the next thing that you would go to after you've established a good moving shoulder and you're looking to reintroduce or work towards loading back into the movements that they care about in this example, a barbell or uh, a barbell bench press or overhead press? Yeah, on top of what the guys just said, like in addition to strength, range of motion, all that good stuff, I typically always start like whatever they're coming in for that's bothering them, say it's overhead press or bench press, I'll say, let me see it. Let me just talk to me about how it's feeling, what it looks like. And then once I do that quick screen, um, then we'll see if we can modify 
like what that looks like from there. So let's say it's bilateral, two hands pressing overhead and it's still pretty bothersome. Then I'll say maybe we'll look at either doing it like from the floor and changing like against gravity and our positions or change going from like bilateral to unilateral. I think that can be pretty like important to see if that changes anything and how it feels. Yeah, so I think this is an area where the theme will run through any uh, movement pattern, regardless of what we're talking about, when we look at kind of a performance-based PT versus the more traditional clinic you go into, where we will most often try to use kind of a top-down approach where we identify what is the movement specifically that is symptomatic, that's causing you issues, and we'll try to work backwards from that movement and only regress you to the point that we need to in order to start building some load tolerance there. Versus a traditional clinic, if you're coming in with shoulder pain, they may bring you down to the floor, remove everything, and then start to try to build you up from, you know, tabletop shoulder exercises when maybe you could have done a single arm dumbbell overhead press or a landmine press or some other movement um, and tolerated that fine. So in general, like Nisha said, we find what's the movement that's symptomatic. Can we create, can we modify that movement or find close variations that will allow you to continue to get a training effect um, without necessarily creating an increase in symptoms or uh, resensitizing those tissues. So if you have someone, let's try to get a little more specific with examples here. If you have someone trying to get back to a barbell overhead press, they're still having some pain. You tried to do it with a dumbbell, with a single arm, still having some pain. What might be something that you explore if you're trying to regress down um, and find an entry point into doing some presses? Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of different options here, but the most obvious might be a landmine press where you bring their shoulder, um, bring them into a usable shoulder flexion range of motion, and then you can kind of press at a diagonal there. Can you explain what a landmine press is? Someone's yeah. listening and they're not sure. Of course. So most frequently this is done with a, land, uh, with a barbell that you might place in the corner of a, a rack or a wall, or there are landmine attachments that you can put in plates or on other things. And um, so you're basically, the barbell's coming out at maybe a 45 degree angle from the corner. Um, you're holding the end of the dumbbell and you can vary your position, whether you're standing in a split stance with one leg in front of the other, or you're kneeling in a lunge position, you can, um, or kneeling on both knees, you can play with the mechanics of that position. Um, but then you're pressing the barbell that's at a 45 degree angle up. And what that really does a good job of, of promoting is, um, pressing in a pain-free range that supports scapular protraction and upper rotation. So shoulder blade coming up and around again. Um, plus in, mo in my experience, most people do not have authentic 180 degrees of shoulder flexion range of motion. So this is um, an exercise that can still get you the benefits of pressing overhead, but you're working in a range of motion that you have access to. Yeah. And I will say from like a powerlifting background, I feel like I've seen this with um, people who tend to almost always be doing presses with their back up against a bench. Either they're doing a flat bench press or they're doing an incline dumbbell press or barbell bench press, or they're doing even their overhead dumbbell press. Their back is always pinned towards a bench, mm -hmm. always with the cue in mind of shoulders down and back. And that bench, the compression from it, just holding a load in your hands, the amount of compression that gives you doesn't give your 
scapula room to essentially move and to you know go through that protraction and upward rotation range of motion freely where um, a landmine press does just because you're kind of free in the air so I do feel like that's beneficial particularly for people who are only doing movements where they're on the bench where they might be thinking oh well this is more stable it's more controlled it should be less symptomatic when in reality it causes more temporarily at least more issues in terms of re uh, recreating their symptoms just because their shoulder is not able to move in as quote-unquote natural of a way or as free of a way Um, is that something you guys find as well yeah and i also love the landmine press because it's great for working like you said john the the scapular upward rotation both concentric and then controlling it back back down eccentrically but i also like it because you can work it in a strict pattern to work on that control or you can do a more dynamic landmine press where you're you know going faster lower weights and you almost like say you're pressing with your right arm you're rowing it with your left and then twisting and quickly pushing it up overhead with the right And that way you're working more dynamically if you are working towards say like a snatch or you're an overhead athlete with like a baseball pitcher where you need that reach and you can really work on that dynamic reaching component of the the shoulder and the shoulder blade. Yeah, that makes total sense. What would you do if someone can't do a landmine press or they do it and they're like, ah, this flares me up, causing pain. What would be your step down from that in general? From a dynamic landmine press? Or just, yeah, just a, any landmine variation, their symptoms are too severe and irritable, mm-hmm. um, and you're looking to modify or maybe regress even further than that. Yeah, I mean, you can work time under tension. You can manipulate that a little bit. You can take um, the barbell out of their hand and maybe even just take them down into a push-up position and have them start to do time under tension or negative-focused um, hand like push-ups just to start to build pre- like pressing um, tolerance right um, and working and, and the push-ups is a, is a great exercise because you can continue if you do it right and you manipulate tensions and stuff you don't have to lose so much strength as you're going through the rehab process and it allows for more shoulder mobility as you're going through a pressing motion yeah totally yeah. that that's generally what I have in mind and even if someone I, I'm thinking may not be ready to do a full push-up but even just being in that like plank on your extended arms in the push-up position and then doing like shoulder taps or other upper body movements where they're just having to put some load through their shoulder in that horizontal press position um, tends to be something that i look at in terms of can they maintain somewhat of a symmetrical scapular position while in a push-up position or going through a full push-up And then are they tolerating that well enough? And then you can transition them from what would be in a push-up, a purely horizontal press position to a landmine, which is a slightly higher incline um, or a higher angle of shoulder flexion to then going towards um, more of an overhead position. Um, Go ahead, Nisha. Yeah, and especially if that's something you want to gain strength and ability to do, like you're going to have to work at components of the push-up to actually do the push-up. And so I think a lot of people think, I can't do a push-up. I'm just going to do it on my knees. But there's a lot of value in doing, like John said, the negatives and doing like eccentric, so slowly lowering your body body down into that push-up position and then maybe totally letting go and resetting to just continue to build the strength in that spot. And I think there are diagnoses that sometimes pain is going to be okay. Like the biceps tendinopathy, even if we modify it, it's like less 
uncomfortable than it was, but tolerable, like that's a green light for us in some cases and we'll progress. It doesn't always have to be pain-free. I think the push-up is one of the best underutilized exercises. If you look at all the progressions and the um, the way that you can manipulate it, like yeah. you were talking about, Max, you can go from push-up to landmine press, but there's also like downward dog push-up variations right. to start mm-hmm. to mo- get your shoulders overhead and you're allowing freedom of scap rhythm and then you're looking how they can position themselves proximally with, are they maintaining like a neutral spine? Are they able to get good thoracic spine mobility and expansion underneath the shoulder blades for um, good foundation of movement? Like I I think it's a good total body exercise and this is a highly debated topic, but like if you're out there, stay away from knee push-ups. Like there's so many other variations to make it easier and knee push-ups then just throw off all of the mechanics moving up, right? So um, I don't, I think there's there's better choices to make to save your shoulders um, than knee push-ups. And, but that's a philosophical thing, and we can debate that all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, like you were saying, how you can start working overhead with like a yoga push-up or a downward mm-hmm. dog. Um, you can do the same thing. You can elevate your feet and do a push-up, and you're still kind of getting a little bit more overhead. Mm-hmm. And you can even load it in that position. If you are working towards overhead pressing, um, you can use bands. You can use chains to help load it up and make a push-up a very difficult exercise. Yeah, totally. And I... This is something that I feel like is worth mentioning all the time, like Nisha alluded to, is sometimes you don't even need to modify the movement that you're using and just manipulating training variables like tempo, rest intervals, um, sets, reps, load that you're using and manipulating all of those variables, you may be able to actually load this specific movement that is symptomatic um, while reducing that or at least giving you enough kind of leeway to make some progress there and to improve your your tolerance to those things. So sometimes it's not even about finding the movement that's going to quote unquote fix the situation. It's just about modifying the, the training um, variables that are impacting the fact that you have symptoms. And going off of that, uh, modifying the variables, another way you can do it if you're trying to get back to a pressing is modifying the range of motion that the technique requires. So you could do something like a floor press, where like a dumbbell floor press, where the floor is going to limit your range of motion. So you're only going uh, elbows to the side and pressing up. And sometimes that allows you to kind of work on some of those other, whether it's range of motion or strength imbalances, clean that up, still able to press, still able to keep strength up in the meantime. Right. And I, the the other thing, this is going to be my own bias coming from a bodybuilding background, is that if a specific movement, your goal is not necessarily to maximize your performance on that movement, sometimes it, it is okay to just say like, hey, I'm just not going to bench laying on my back with a bar because it's creating some symptoms right now. And my goal isn't doesn't have anything to do with benching on my back with a bar. It's maybe just an aesthetic goal or it's just to be generally like stronger or more resilient, but it's not on a specific movement. And it's okay for you to just say like, you know, I'm not, I'm just not going to bench with a bar for four weeks and I'm going to focus on these other movements that I can keep doing that don't cause any symptoms. And then you can slowly progress the barbell, you know, bench press back in at a point where you feel like you're ready to do that. And so, for me, there have been times in my training where I'm like, eh, 
you know, my shoulder's feeling a, a little flared up, maybe I have some tendon irritation here, I'm gonna go a full training cycle without doing a barbell bench press. I'm gonna focus on like this chest press machine um, and some of the other accessories, maybe an overhead press that I wanna get better at. And then in, after this four week block, I'll reintroduce the bench and start slowly working my volume back up and just taking a step away from that temporarily and then progressively working my way back into it was enough without me having to feel like I need to, you know, figure out a way to continue to do it right now if it's not necessarily within my goals. So I feel like reevaluating or evaluating your goals to ask yourself, is this part of them uh, is important too, just to maybe give you a little bit more freedom to change stuff up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think when what you just described there, Max, is if you have to alter your program and, and get away from what your coach is programming, that doesn't mean you're taking a step back. It just means that at that specific time, you have to adjust to continue to make the adaptations that you want to reach your goal. Right. Right. Um, and a lot of people that we see are like, well, I'm not doing exactly what my coach said. Well, that's okay. We're just because you maybe are dealing with an injury, let's just find something that continues to help you make progress and then we'll just move forward there it's okay to take that it's not a step back it's just an alteration to help you continue to move forward yeah and usually modifying for four weeks will save you time from actually having to step away from progressing and from training down the road if you allow these things to kind of continue to get um, more chronic or more irritated over time. So obviously we barely were able to scratch the surface looking at pressing movements um, and all of the modifications that you can make to those movements in order to go back to training after an injury or in order to modify your training while you're dealing with some shoulder pain um, or any other pains. But these are just some thought processes that you can kind of experiment with and play with when you're trying to think about how to do that. Um, hopefully this has been helpful for everyone. Uh, If you need to get in touch with us, you can always find Precision Performance Physical Therapy. Either just Google us or find us um, on Instagram at that handle. And for myself, you can find me at maxlepage.dpt on Instagram. Troy.cuck.dpt. Nishameyer.dpt. Johnherding.dpt, I believe. (laughs) Yeah, you'll find him. He's he's pretty well known. He's a pretty big deal. Underscore DPT. Sorry. John Herding underscore DPT. (laughs) There it is. All right. So hopefully, again, this was all helpful for you. And if you have any questions or you need to be evaluated by a qualified medical professional, um, you can find some of those here. And we hope you guys are all staying safe, staying healthy. And we'll talk to you guys in the next one. Bye. Did you know we now offer personalized remote programming, one-on-one video telehealth sessions, and mentorships for both students and professionals. If you're interested in any one of these, please email John at J-O-N at precisionperformancept.com and he can help you get started today.